This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, we've got some business to take care of today. TJ is not going to be joining me on this episode of Necessary Roughness. He's got the weekend off, the week off. Uh, kids on spring break. That's that time of year. It's also draft time. We've been talking a lot about the NFL draft. The Detroit Lions have had a number of players in for personal visits. This is that time of year. They've had Jalen Carter in, talked to him. Will Anderson, we know that he was in town. They talked to him. Uh, C.J. Stroud is coming in, and you know whether it's it's Thursday or Friday of this week, he's going to be in town. And everybody wants to know why. What's the purpose of these visits? What was it like when I was on some of these visits? And I did come in uh, to the Detroit Lions. I was down in Atlanta for a visit. Uh, interesting, interestingly enough. I never met with the Washington Redskins. Their offensive line coach, Russ Grimm, was at my pro day and held a bag for four or five you know, position drills, and that was the extent of my connection with the Washington Redskins before they drafted me back in 99. So just because a player comes in or a team shows interest, it doesn't mean at all that they're going to you know, interested in drafting that guy. They also may not show any interest in anybody at all, and then all of a sudden it becomes their draft, uh, their draft pick. So when I was brought into the Detroit Lions, I don't remember the offensive line coach's name at the time. You get a chance, obviously, to tour the facility. You meet everybody involved in the organization, everybody in the front office. You meet the GM. You meet the coaches. But you spend most of your time with the position coach. And I've spent my time with the O-line coach with the Detroit Lions at that time. Bobby Ross was the head coach. And the, I think the biggest thing that they want to uh, find out is, you know, how much do you understand about the game of football? How much coaching are they going to have to do in the classroom to get you ready? Some of that may be a detriment to drafting a player. Others, it may just be, hey, a heads up on where we're starting with this individual. But I sat down with the line coach, and the first thing they asked me was about different defenses. Did I understand what the basics of 
you know, football defenses were. What was an over and under defense? How how could I determine the dif- the difference between those? How much did I know about coverages um, and where players aligned? What did the, uh, the position of the linebackers mean, and how did it concern me as an offensive lineman? All of those different things that we 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 went over, we talked about. It was very conversational, and then they start asking about the offense that you played in in college. What was your favorite you know run play? And I would tell them, and and we would talk about you know the different variations of that play. Uh, they would run, you know, draw up different defenses and say, okay, for an over defense, how would you block 24? And I would draw things up. To, I would give the calls that we had at that time. Nothing was the same as, as what they had in the NFL in terms of calls. Everybody calls things differently, but they wanted to know how familiar I was with my favorite play. It should have been a home run, and for me it was. But then they start asking about pass protections. How did you guys run? You know, we, Michigan, we had the, our base pass pro, River and Lake. Um, obviously, it's easy to remember. River is, is the base of the right. Left is, is Lake. Um, what were the backs reads on this? What did it mean when, when an extra guy walked down in the box? A linebacker came up on the line of scrimmage. How did I communicate that to my center and my guard and the rest of the offensive line? Uh, and they wanted to know those things. And then they would bring in their playbook. And obviously they don't hand you the entire playbook, but they give you a couple of plays. And they're going to be very different from the plays that you just described. Chances are those are in their playbook as well, but they want to give you one that you didn't talk about. They're going to coach you up on it, and then they're going to give you different defenses and see how you can handle their terminology. Can you remember their calls? And they may give you three or four and then go back to the first one and figure out you know, what's the retention, how, how quickly can you remember things and recall them uh, in a situation like that. Uh, and it, it varies by position. Obviously, for quarterbacks, and we're talking about C.J. Stroud, it's going to be completely different. This is the time of year for players to come in for those type of visits. There are some other guys I hope that the Lions bring in. Um, I would hope that they would bring in a player like Peter Skaronsky, uh, offensive lineman from Northwestern, get a chance to go through the same things I just talked about back in 1999. The terminology is different. Some concepts are different now. But how much does he understand about the game of football? How much does he love the game of football? And you could kind of tell some of those things uh, you know, from that interview process and spending a day with him. Tyree Wilson, a guy that gets mocked to the Lions all the time at six if, if Carter's off the board or if uh, Will Anderson is off the board. I think he he would be a good option. You want to bring him in and find out. Here are some things that we're hearing about Tyree Wilson. Now we have a chance to address those directly, as they did with Jalen Carter and the off you know off the the field issues. What type of answers did they get? Uh, Kalijah Kansi is another player. I think they should bring in Lucas Van Ness. We're talking about defensive players. Uh, on the offensive side of things, I would love them to bring in Bijan Robinson. Um, not that I necessarily want them to draft him in the first round. We saw Mel Kuyper uh, with an unbelievable mock last week or earlier in the week for the Detroit Lions where they ended up not having to trade up. Got Will Anderson at number six. He fell to him because uh, some trades in the top five. Quarterbacks went one, two, three, and four. And then the Seattle Seahawks took Jalen Carter, which left Will Anderson for the Lions at six, Bijan Robinson at 18. If that happens, I think most people would lose their minds, not having to give up any draft capital to get Will Anderson, where a lot of people think the, the two best players in the draft, two best athletes, two best prospects – 
are Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. So if you could walk away with one of them, that would be uh, phenomenal. So uh, it's an opportunity to get to know these guys um, and also put to rest some myths, some rumors. This is also, as we get closer to the draft, we are now two weeks away from the NFL draft, and this is when rumors start to really circulate. And it's not just the ones about Jalen Carter and and off-the-field issues. Those were very public. This is where you get guys like Michael Lombardi, who's a former NFL general manager for the Cleveland Browns, spent a long time in the NFL, a long time with the Oakland Raiders, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Um, I heard him earlier this week on an interview that he did on VEASAN, and he said about C.J. Stroud that what he is hearing is that he could be hard to coach, that C.J. Stroud feels like he knows better, and he referenced having talked to individuals. Now, if he's talking to individuals around the NFL – I don't know what context they're using to say that C.J. Stroud may be hard to coach. They didn't coach him. The only people that he could be talking to are Ryan Day. And then everybody asks, well, if they ask that of Ryan Day, what's that answer going to be? Isn't he just going to pump up his guy? And yes, he is going to pump up his guy. Who wouldn't love to have their quarterback be the number one, number two overall pick? But it's also their reputation at stake. They're not going to lie. None of this will be public knowledge, and I don't think Michael Lombardi, he may have talked to Ryan Day. I I doubt that he has. And so that's the only individual where you could come to this conclusion that C.J. Stroud might be hard to coach, might be uh, you know, might be one of those guys that just thinks he knows better, even though he's going to be a rookie in the NFL. There has been nothing said by C.J. Stroud when he has presented himself to the media and to other individuals where you see him talk, where you it makes you think that he is that type of individual. So I use that as an example of in the next two weeks, you're probably going to hear things, more things about Jalen Carter. You're going to hear things about Will Anderson. You're going to hear things about Miles Murphy, Tyree Wilson, Christian Gonzalez. Go down the list, and a lot of it could be smoke screens put out by other teams simply to you know, 
a guy falls to them. They don't want to trade up and, and, and use draft capital to get the guy that they want. They're hoping he falls to them. And if they put out some misinformation, little bits of truth, but a little bit of, hey, sources say type of, of statement, maybe they'll get a guy to fall to them. They get the pick that they want. So when you hear anything over the next couple of weeks, whether it's from the Lions or it's from anywhere else around the NFL – Take it with a grain of salt because this is when a lot of misinformation starts to come out about individuals in this upcoming draft, especially the high picks. Now, the other thing that happened this week is Jeff Okuda was traded to the Atlanta Falcons. They got a fifth-round pick in return, and, and this year that ends up being the number 159 pick overall. And the question is, did they get enough value for Jeff Okuda? Here's my take on it. Jeff Okuda, was they were not going to pick up his fifth-year option. He was a number three overall pick. It hasn't turned out to be that way, and some of it's due to injury in his first couple of years. Some of it's due to last year was basically his rookie year. Didn't progress. Every time that Stoney and I in the mornings talked to Dan Campbell, and I would ask Dan Campbell about Jeff Okuda and the progress that he was making, there was some measure of, yeah, he's making progress, but there was never excitement over what Jeff Okuda was doing. And at the end of the year, we saw healthy scratches. We saw him not get as much playing time as he was in the beginning of the season. We heard from DK Metcalf, who obviously plays for the Seattle Seahawks, played them after Jeff Okuda had what we assumed was a good outing against Justin Jefferson, limited him in in number of yards, and... At that time, DK Metcalf said, yeah, anybody can can you know shut down a guy when you've got three or four guys defending one individual. You've got help over the top. Some of that is gamesmanship. Some of it, there is a bit of truth to that. In Aaron Glenn's defense, corners are going to have to play in man coverage. Jeff Okuda struggled in man coverage. He was really good at supporting the run, struggled in man coverage. It's a passing league. So they think, hey, if he's not a part of the future, Let's move on from him now. What can we get in return for a former number three overall pick? The best they could do was shipping him down to Atlanta for the number 159 pick overall, their second pick in the fifth round. And and I think it's interesting in this regard. Now Brad Holmes, after two years of really good drafts, quality individuals, six contributors in last year's draft, and in the second or in the sixth round, we know that he had James Houston, who provided eight sacks in very limited time. Also, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, who ended up starting at linebacker for some of the year, was a major contributor on special teams as well as at the linebacker position. And the track record says, I want to give. I want Brad Holmes to have as many picks as possible, as many bites at the apple as possible. And with nine picks in this draft, he's going to, if he just stay, stands pat, he's going to have an opportunity to throw nine, nine darts at the board. And I trust that he's going to hit on a lot of those picks. They're going to, it's going to contribute to the depth of talent of this Lions team. It's a team that showed great promise at the end of the year, but has to take that next step. Got to win the division. You've got to be able to, you know, earn a spot into the playoffs. Got to win playoff games, something that, you know, the Detroit Lions have struggled with. Uh, If you're new to the area and aren't familiar, uh, they have struggled with mightily 
over the past six decades. So it gives them another bite at the apple. But what can you do with that number 159 pick? Well, you could package it with some other picks, maybe a you know that number 55, the second pick of the second round. You could package it to move up a couple of spots and get a guy that you really want in the second round. If you stand pat at 159, you've got two picks in the fifth round. You've got 152 overall and 159. Hey, we've talked about possibly drafting a kicker in this draft. Some of those options, Jake Moody out of Michigan, uh, Andre Smit out of uh, Syracuse, and then Chad Ryland out of Maryland. I don't know that we see three kickers drafted in this draft. Depending on where they have them on their board, I wouldn't be upset if they turned Jeff Okuda who struggled into a kicker that could be with the Detroit Lions for a decade, could be the leading scorer every single year because of the opportunities that they have over the next 10 years, maybe 15 years. Uh, I think that at this point, getting something out of basically nothing is what you could be getting out of that Jeff Okuda pick. Next week when TJ joins us again, I met, We mentioned this last week. We want to talk about the mock drafts. It's, it's rumor season. It's visit season. It's trading. It's positioning yourself for the draft. But TJ and I went through that process. I was mocked back in 1999. When TJ was coming up, he obviously saw mocks. And you see seven-round mocks. You see you know the first round, two rounds. How did that affect us? and our families leading into the draft. Because if you're going to be drafted, it's going to be one of 32 cities. We're going to share some of those stories next week. We're obviously inching closer and closer to the NFL draft, so we're going to continue to talk about what the Detroit Lions have done in free agency, what they've done on the trade market, what they're going to continue to do in preparation for the NFL draft on April the 27th. So stay tuned for all your Detroit Lions information. The return of TJ Lang next week on Necessary Roughness.